0: Maxwell and Melbourne Football Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club, you're listening
1: to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloane here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're well and welcome back to another episode of the 50 Most Relevant. Today, talking about Zach Butters. Incredibly, incredibly relevant. But just not enough people having a conversation about him. But we, we will set the record straight today. Don't you worry about that. Joining me on this episode is, as he has done throughout the preseason and will continue to do through the season proper, new member to the coaches panel, Mini Mark. Hello, buddy. How are you?
0: Yeah, good. Not a Freo player this time. Bit of a shock this time, eh?
1: I had to get you back uh, for something other than Fremantle related because you, you offer so much more to the coaches panel listening community than just a accurate and valuable insights uh, around Fremantle Dockers. Let's talk about this 22-year-old midfielder from Port Adelaide last year. Some really nice scores land with a little bit of a sour taste, which we'll address, no doubt. 137 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team was his top score, not just last year, but in that format of Dream Team and Fantasy career high score. While in that same game in Supercoach, seasonal high was a 136. And it's around about thirty points shallow though of what he did the season prior as his career high SuperCoach score. It was a one sixty three against the Essendon Footy Club. He'll set you back at an average of eighty six point three in AFL fantasy and Dream Team. Meaning in those formats, he's priced at seven hundred and sixty four thousand in fantasy and just a touch over seven hundred and eighty thousand in Dream Team. While SuperCoach, pretty good year. is his average, while a $529,400 price tag is what it's going to set you back. It's amazing, Mini Monk. 12 months ago, one of the most hyped and anticipated players in our forward line was Zach Butters. He was going to take the leap. He was going to become an elite. He was going to become the next big thing to really kickstart our fantasy footy years and, Round one and two, we got a little bit of that. And then the next month was really cold. He gets injured. He has volatile role. And now 12 months on from where he was, coaches have completely forgotten about the scoring potential and pedigree of Zach Butters.
0: You only need to look back at the last five rounds of the season, let alone round two, round one and round two, to see his scoring pedigree. I mean, starting off with a 96 and a 114 in Supercoach, then backs it up with a 137 in AF and DT and a 136 in Supercoach. You're thinking you've nailed this. You've nailed the underpriced premium. He can go yep. on and be a top six forward for you. And then round three gets injured. And he pops a 59 in AF and DT and a 58 in Supercoach. And he comes back, doesn't do too badly against the Demons, gets back to his form against the Blues.
1: Round five, Bam, yeah.
0: round six against the Eagles. He's sick, he's unwell, he's parked forward for the entire game, pops a 34 in AF and DT, Yuck. 58 in Supercoach. And you're just going, gosh, how can I justify holding this guy? Yeah. And you're just thinking, right, how many coaches have been burnt by him? Not only, you know, last year, but in previous years as well. He has, you know, pops some bad scores where you think, well, is he really going to be able to become a premium for us? throughout an entire season or is he just going to be that perpetual tease someone like a an Isaac Keeney who constantly Mm. shows that they can become a premium but just don't be able to take the step that you need for them to be a top sixer but I think someone like Butters actually has that in him he's he's shown that he has the craft to be able to perform in the midfield and perform up forward and be able to continue to score over 100 for continued stretches in, in AFDT and in Supercoach so I'm shocked that he's not being talked about more this preseason when there's so much hype around, you know, you wanting to be starting top-tier forwards like Dunkley, Canelio, Taranto, and his teammate in Rosie. Mm. And you look at someone like Butters and people seem to be missing him and, and people, people, you no, know, they're just not talking about him that much.
1: No, well, we, we, we think back to those moments that were absolutely a, a combination of injuries and role um, where he didn't get the highest of the highs of what we expected. And yet, when we look at his season in totality, taking out the emotion, which is sometimes hard in fantasy footy, it's actually a pretty solid season. An average of 86.3 in fantasy and dream team, six tons, two of them over 120. Sure, seven under 80. Uh, while in Supercoach, 96.15 as an average across the year, 11 tons from 20 games. Five of those huge 120-plus scores, six scores under 80. But here's the kicker. If you were to look at him based on the forwards we have available to us now, just by average, he's seventh in dream team and fantasy. Even with that number of injury-impacted games, poor scores, poor health, poor role for pockets of the year. And fourth in Super Coach, even with such a sour taste. And then we look, as uh, Mini Monk has already alluded, To what he did at the end of the year. Over his final five games, a 107.4 average in Dream Team and Fantasy, and a monster 115.6 in Supercoach. But it's not just the final five. Even look the fortnight earlier and do a final seven 101.1 in Dream Team and Fantasy, 106.8 in super coach and there's these pockets if you look through his 21 and 2020 data we're seeing pockets and stretches of one month six weeks eight weeks where zach butters is putting elements together and as we walk into this season mini monk i know it's always dangerous to contrast one player alongside another, but just purely by the fact that Rosie and Butters were drafted in the same draft together, in the same team together, priced in comparable points across the formats. It it doesn't feel too unfair to put them side by side. Um, And I know you've got some stats of, of the two that you want to share in a second, but even just in ownership, it's unbelievable how these two couldn't be further apart, yet their scoring be so similar. Rosie's ownership in Supercoach, 33%, Butters, 10%. Rosie and Dream Team, 38%, Butters, 10%. Rosie and AFL Fantasy, 42%, Butters, 6%. For guys that are pretty comparable, geez, they're a long way apart.
0: Yeah. I mean, across the formats, they're essentially the same price. You're you're skimming, you know, five or 10K between them. In terms of their averages from 2022, pretty similar as well if you consider their averages from games where, you know, Butters was injured or unwell and games where Rosie had a poor um, poor role, say the first five rounds of the season where he had, you know, no CBAs, was parked forward a lot, then sure. around 60 goes in the middle. 99 AF average, D- AFDT average for Rosie, mm. 96 for Butters. Wow. 107 supercoach coach average for Rosie, 106 for Butters. They're identical players, and yet there is just no chatter and no ownership to back it up. So what is it that people are missing? Are people getting worried because they're scared that Butters is going to get injured? Are they worried that he's more volatile in terms of his role? I don't think he's more volatile in terms of his role. I think he showed through the year that he had the more consistent role of the two players. I agree. So why are people hotter on Rosie than Butters? Maybe it's the round 23 game where... Rosie goes 160 in supercoach and 130 in AF. Yeah. But it didn't have a bad game. He went 120 in AF and 125 in supercoach. And the four games before that, he was going at 100, over 100 in supercoach in all of those. And a 105, 110 average in AFL and DT, AF and DT. I mean, is there really that much between the two of them to say a 30% ownership difference? Surely I don't think not. so.
1: Surely not. Like, i've got a couple of questions for you but um because for those of you that went to CoachesPanel.tv the other day you would have seen mini monk gave some great strategic reflection on his well, let's be honest mate, you had a really strong year across all formats but yeah. you came second in dream team last year top 100 top 50 i think it even was in, in afl fantasy and pretty yeah. comparable to in super coach um and so i want to get your thought on on a, on a premise that i'd like to throw out there but Sure. Um, I think the big thing that's happening here with Rosie, as much as there is the, the hot start that you know that's happened towards the end um the group think of uh, injury risk and stuff, but I genuinely think it's this: A lot of fantasy footy content creators are big on connor Rosie, as yeah. they should be because he's value based on what he's priced versus what he's done in the midfield. But there's genuinely nothing more than groupthink that feels like it's valuable enough of a reason for me to separate the two because the injury risk is also there with Rosie over time. The role volatility, Rosie needs the CBAs, but as doesn't. Yeah. So, so for me, generally, I keep coming back to the... And this is the question I have is, how important is having a point of separation from yourself in your starting squad, let alone the moves you do during the year and going against the grain. I know ownership isn't always the key, but how important is some separation in your starting squad or is it more important as the season goes on?
0: I think it becomes much more important in the middle section of the season when you're doing your upgrades, Hmm. being able to jump onto a premium a week earlier than everyone else or being able to be an upgrade ahead of everyone else because you've jumped a little bit of value makes a lot more difference than having a different premium to start the year. But in the scheme of things, if you're going for Butters over Rosie or, say, Butters over Toronto, you're probably expecting similar scoring at a similar price. And in the scheme of things, it's not going to differentiate you that much if they have a comparable first five weeks. Hmm. But if you have a player that can pop a big score, pop a 150 in Supercoach or 130 in, in Dream Team, and they don't have the downside then yeah that differential can be better I mean we were talking about it with Young the other day when yeah, he was we we're comparing him to say Nick Dacos and you're thinking right well Dacos has the potential to pop a low score Young probably doesn't maybe there's more upside there and for me the issue with Butters is when he's going to pop a low score he's probably gotten injured mm, I mean you funny. only have to look at last year to see that the three out of his, I think, six sub-80 games in Supercoach came in games where he copped an injury.
1: Or was sick, yeah.
0: Yeah, or was sick. I mean, whereas Rosie, he gets thrown forward for the first five games of of last year, and he is, frankly, not even close to a mid-pricer. There were draft coaches who didn't want to field him. They dropped him. Yeah, he got dropped to the pool. And I don't think anyone ever thought about doing that with Butters of the year. Sure, he had some bad games. That's but true. you're still holding him through those because you know that he has the ability to come back and be able to score.
1: Yeah, that's and true. Yeah. So finish, I, that, finish that thought, man.
0: And so I think that there's got to be a little bit of that. I mean, if you've got someone who has relatively stable scoring and relatively stable job security, mm. you need to value that a little bit in your starting score. Yes, you want to be searching for upside all you can. Yes, you need to be searching for a few captaincy op- options. Sure. You need to hit the mid prices every now and then. But having premiums that can go just a little bit better than what they're priced at because they're slightly undervalued because of their, you know, they've had injuries or they've been subbed through games, it's probably more important to to nail those picks than to nail the genuine premiums and Mm. to nail the genuine rookies. Because chances are most of the good rookies, they're going to have 40, 50% ownership, anyways. Everyone, most of the the premiums that people are looking to start are going to have 30% ownership, anyways. It's true. I think that that's where you need to look for a bit of value.
1: Yeah, I think that's smart. What happens at Port Adelaide this year is is fascinating, not just in terms of the the coaching career of uh, Ken Hinckley, who has basically been put himself into the position that if he doesn't make finals, he'll be out of a job. But there, there are a couple of interesting recruits that have come into that side that really do intrigue me what that does for their makeup. Now, Carl Amon out probably does open up a wing opportunity. But Jason Horn Francis, twelve months ago, was the number one draft pick, and and certainly gave us small glimpses at the AFL level. But certainly at junior and Sample level, whew, this could, could be a special beast, powerful and smart and fast, and some danger field esque um, traits about him. They've got a new recruit in the forward line in Junior Rioli, who um, really crafty and smart forward 50 craft and you could probably throw a fantasia in there who they really haven't got him on the park all that much so there's a couple of big changes to that forward line and a potential big change into that midfield and travis spoke is another year older and probably can't carry the same weight so i guess my question to you mini monk before we look to wrap up the episode is how do you forecast this port adelaide side to structure around Zach Butters, and in your opinion, does his role of heavy mid, heavy forward, or split in between make a substantial difference to his fantasy output?
0: There's only so much you can take from training reports this early in the year. But the suggestions are is that Boke is going to be spending a lot more time forward. And that feels mm-hmm. like a natural progression for someone who's getting a bit older. And it also feels like a natural progression to be able to put Butters and Rosie into the midfield and increase their CBA percentages. I think Horn Francis coming in, you know, he'll come, he'll be coming across to the promise with a bit of, bit of midfield time, and I think he'll get some. Mm. But they're also going to want to protect him a bit. He's had surgery in the offseason. They put him on a six-year deal. They're not going to want him chuck him into midfield and him to get hurt or, you know, get bullied around a bit, which could happen. They're going to give him a bit of a split. They'll give him a bit of a taste in the cold face, but they also will spend him a fair bit of time up forward. I think that the additions of you know, Junior Rioli and Orazio Fantasia coming back off of missing majority of last season can only be mm. beneficial for, for both Rosie and Butters to an extent. I mean, it's just going to lead them having more midfield time, having to spend a little bit less time up forward. But the other thing is that Butters has shown that he doesn't need to spend a huge amount of time in the midfield to be able to score. I mean, that last five stretch that he had, I think he was only getting about 30% CBAs. It's mm. not a lot, and yet you're still pumping 110 supercoach and 105 AF and DT. Yeah. And you're telling me that he's maybe getting another 15 to 20% coming into 2023? Sounds pretty juicy.
1: Sounds really good to me. We've talked about it a lot through this preseason. Uh, Aaron Hall has been an example amongst others and Elliot Yo just a few days ago. If the injury risk is the reason you don't want to start someone well then you almost have to fade on them during the year because that injury risk will only based on the variable of history only further increase with every game played so if you're ruling butters out now in your starting squad can you trade into him absolutely but you can't be filthy at yourself for trading into him going i knew he'd get injured which is why if injury is the factor here for you I would advocate strongly to go, we'll start him, bank the good scores. And if the injury comes, it's one trade, as opposed to watch him do what Minimunk has so beautifully said, score with probably as good as any of the forwards we've got available to us this year in ceiling wise, do it for five, seven weeks, go, Oh, I knew I should have got him. He's no longer value. I'm now paying top dollar. And that's a trade, maybe two. then, if the injury pops, there's a third trade alongside of it. It's, it's why we often talk about if there's an injury risk, bank the score, make it just one trade, or fade for the year and don't do it. But people don't process it in that way. The other factor for him is if you are looking for some separation, if that's important to you in your starting squad, those ownership moments we shared at, at kind of a middle way through the podcast might just be enough. To tip you over the edge, is it rosy over butters for us, or butters over rosy? That's not what we're saying. In fact, what we are saying is, everyone's talking about rosy. Butters in the conversation should be equally looked at as a consideration and not forgotten and left in the dust. So, draft day is interesting, Mini Monk.
0: Isn't it ever?
1: A very. I, I think where people. People more, maybe this is conf- recency bias. I think people will jump earlier to secure a, a top five forward or top 10 forward, probably earlier, because the, the list does thin out a little bit. Um, and so yeah. to get a good forward, you've got to go a bit earlier. Yeah, Cox, I think Conks, oh. Dunkley, Taranto, all probably get ahead of him. Does Rosie yeah. go ahead? Where, where do you have him? What's your take on the forward ranks this year?
0: I think Rosie goes ahead.
1: And I, I think, think so a lot too. of
0: that is the hype. I mean, there's I think so. countless articles that have come out about Rose You only have to scroll Twitter for five minutes and you can see his name. And I think Butters is around the mark, probably mm. at the lower end of those top five. Yeah. But he's definitely an F1. And yes. And the question is, what round are you probably taking him in? Are you comfortable with him as an F1? Do you want to back him up with another pick that's a bit safer, a bit less, you know... Um, you don't have as much injury concerns about. That's probably mm. a viable strategy. Sure. If you could get him on the turn at the end of the third round and back him up with another, you know, reliable forward, say like a Dylan Moore or maybe even an Errol Goulden, mm. you'd be laughing. Yeah. But yeah, I think somewhere in that third round is about where I'm going to have him. I think in both formats as well.
1: I, I think you're right. If you want one of Cogs, Dunkley, Taranto and Rosie, you are spending a first or a second round draft pick. If If it's a 10-team league that... I would presume most, if not all, will be gone by pick 20. So I'm not opposed. Depending on where you find yourself situated on draft day, you know, fading on those guys, again, depends where you're drafting from, and going, I'm going to pocket a dockety. I'm going to go heavy on the mids. I'm going to do this. That's where mock drafts are so helpful. It gives you an indication to trial different looks and feels of things. So I'm with you, man. I think... I think Butters is not getting the love that he should, and I think you've done a good job at kind of bringing that conversation back. So thank you, Mini Monk, for your work today. No, it's good to be back, and, yeah,
0: it's, it's it's nice to talk about a player that's going a bit under the radar and that, you know, I've, I've looked at myself and thought, you know what, there is a narrative to start him, and I have toyed with him in my sides, and I think that others should as well.
1: I think so too. Before we let you go, there is one other thing that we, we – alluded to a little bit through there, but I do want to get some of your advice on uh, uh, for others because we've mentioned a few names just there. This is coming more back to salary cap. Mm. We've mentioned Taranto. We've mentioned Cornelio. We've mentioned Rosie. Not only are these popular names in the forward lines, but they all share the same buy round. So potentially you could be missing in the round 15 buy, which is best 18, by the way, Taranto, Cornelio, Rosie, and butters what's your take on the community's initial reflection to seeing potentially their f1 to 4 all gone
0: well i mean the two things that i think about is that there's 14 rounds between now and that buy and there's three other lines that you've got players on you don't know what's going to happen to your premiums between now and that buy round players get injured players miss games players have role changes through the season and Mm -hmm. you might want a different and DPPs happen as well like you might have different forward premiums that you want by the time the buy round comes and okay you go heavy on round 15 forwards in your starting squad and you end up with all of them at round 15 great you can cover it with the other lines you can easily still get to 18 whilst having five forwards missing because they have a lot of them are going to have DPP into the midfield you're going to have rookies that get DPP and I just think that it's Maybe something that people are starting to get concerned about, but I I think that there's a long time between now and that buy round. There's a lot of other things to play out. I don't think it should be something that's a massive consideration at this stage of the year.
1: And we've got more trades than ever before in limited trades formats. We've even increased a year. Yes, there's more rounds this year, but we've increased a trade on what last year felt, man, we've got so much we can burn through these Mm. to really be aggressive. So um, there there is multiple things we could do as Mini Monk has beautifully highlighted. Mate, I'm going to thank you again. You've dropped some gold for people on this podcast. Well done, buddy. Thanks for having me. If you want to go and read the article on him right now, Zach Butter's article is online for you now at coachespanel.tv. If you want to go and read any of the other players, you can also go and check them out while they're there. There is something dropping every single day in the preseason that's going to help you through your fantasy footy year. The podcast, they're landing fresh and firing for you. The 50 most relevant Our trade and strategy podcasts, will start to pick up through the month of February. And of course, if you are loving the content you've seen from the coaches panel so far in 2023, then for just a couple of dollars a month, you can join our Patreon supporter group. You will get access to a bunch of exclusive content, more podcasts, hidden groups, and it's just a nice way to help support us do what we do. All the details for that are at coachespanel.tv. So who's coming up tomorrow in the 50 most relevant? It's a guy that since 2015 has scored 100 or more in Supercoach. Staying in Supercoach, it's a guy since 2019 has not dropped his average beneath 110. you got to go back to 2019 to see that this guy has given us four consecutive seasons of 100-plus. And he's in the mythical creature territory of a second-year breakout. Who is this guy that has been so good for so long and is like butters, just getting glossed over again and again. We talk about this superstar of fantasy footy tomorrow in the 50 most relevant.